I'm Brandon Bartnick, and this is the Future of Mobility podcast. We're at an exciting time in the mobility sector with new technology causing us to continually question the way we move both goods and people. My job is to talk to the people leading this revolution and to highlight the challenges and opportunities we face as we develop and implement safe, sustainable, and equitable mobility solutions. This podcast is brought to you by FEV. Check us out on LinkedIn or learn more at FEV.com. Today, I'm joined by Mark Fronmeyer, who is founder and president of Archimoto. Archimoto is pushing to catalyze the shift to a sustainable transportation system by introducing right-size electric mobility solutions. Cool names seem to be their thing. So far, they have the fun utility vehicle, FUV, the Deliverator, and the Rapid Responder. This conversation was a cool, big-picture look at transportation, and in particular, the focus and the opportunity that Mark sees for introducing smaller, purpose-built vehicles for the most common trips that we make every day. Really fun discussion. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Mark Fronmeyer. Today I'm joined by Mark Fronmeyer. Mark, really looking forward to the discussion. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining. Could you please get us started by introducing yourself and sharing a bit about what you're working on? Yeah, thank, thanks so much for having me on the program. So I, I'm the founder and CEO of Arkimoto. Uh, we've been at it since 2007 developing a, a new vehicle platform and a family of products built on that platform mm-hmm. that are really targeted at, you know, I think the, probably the easiest way to think about it is, is it is a right-sized pattern for the kind of trips that almost all of us do almost all the time. You know, go, going by ourselves to work or going out with a friend or taking a, a kid to soccer practice. Um, uh, the, the typical vehicle usage pattern is one or two people with a small amount of stuff traveling a short distance. Mm-hmm. And the typical tool that we all use on a regular basis are these giant 4,000 pound cars um, that, are, that are sort of way out of scope. And when you multiply that times everyone, you get uh, half the city paved over and still have gridlock, which is, which is crazy. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to want to dig deeper into some of the things you said there, but for maybe to first start. So what's the manifestation of this? So can you just describe a bit? What, what's the vehicle, yeah. the current stage vehicle look like? Or yeah, So, so our, the platform, I, I guess I could describe it in a little yeah. more detail. It's a, it's a three wheeler. We've got two wheels in front, one wheel in back, uh, pure battery electric. And the, you, the battery is right along the center line of the vehicle. The drivetrain is in the front. So actually the two front wheels are driven. Mm-hmm. Um, which, which ends up providing uh, obviously better traction on the road than, than a, a single wheel rear wheel drive would. Um, and then we've built now, we, we've actually either announced or uh, teased five different products on it. There's our, our flagship product is the fun utility vehicle. Uh, we went into production of the FUV in September of last year. And it, you can think of it, it, is, it's, it, it adds a, a roof overhead, it adds seat belts, it's, it's open on the sides, although you can add half doors, eventually we're going to have full doors as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it really blends, uh, it, it, you know, blends experiences that are, that are not sort of typically put together. So you've got uh, handlebar controls, um, yet you have two seat belts for each occupant. Um, and it's, it, it is a, it's a small footprint vehicle. It's, it's about the size of a big touring motorcycle, but it fits two large adults very comfortably. So it, it, it really, the, the FUV attempts to, to sort of min-max um, the, the transportation space for daily transportation. Mm-hmm. And then we, we've also launched uh, in, in 
In March, we launched pilots of both the Deliverator, which gets rid of the second seat, and then the whole back end of the vehicle is storage for last mile delivery, uh, and the Rapid Responder, which is aimed at bringing the, the benefits of maneuverability, um, sort of being able to get across town faster, and bringing that to emergency responders. Um, and then, then finally, uh, in just the last uh, month or so, we've, we've teased a product called the Cameo, which is a, a very niche vehicle aimed at you know, film and influencers and sporting events. And then the Roadster, which we announced development of actually just this week, which will be really the first thing that we've done that, that fits into an established, well-understood category of, of sort of the pure on-road fun machine. And first of all, the, uh, the I love the the fun descriptive names that you guys have. <laughs> fun utility vehicle deliver. I mean, they're all perfect because they tell you exactly what the the vehicle is, who it's meant for, what it's designed for. So, it's not that, a lot of guesswork involved in uh, yeah. what what each product is for. Yeah, yeah, for, for sure. And uh, I guess the first question: Why why pick these applications? So you have. Like this mode of transportation, I don't think there's that many vehicles that you're directly competing. You're kind of carving out a niche, right? Um, and you pick a, a fun utility vehicle, deliverator, and rapid responder as kind of the, the first three. And then you mentioned you're growing. But what, what went into the process for picking those applications or those target markets? I. Uh- uh, well, so, so the, the fun utility vehicle and the deliverator have been in our plans really for, for many years. Um, you know, the, the company started out of, uh, actually out of my, my personal quest to find a reasonable way of getting around town, um, you know, on, on daily trips. And I just, I, I actually went looking originally um, to, to buy a product back in 2007. I just couldn't find it. Mm-hmm. I wanted something that was going to be affordable, uh, high quality, could, could go on all the roads, I uh, could do all my trips and, uh, and that was, that was, you know, fun and well built. That was not a big car. Uh, and so when I couldn't find that thing as a consumer, that was what was ultimately the inspiration to start Arkimoto. Um, I think we realized pretty early on that it would make a cool delivery platform as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it wasn't for, for the rapid responder that actually, I, strangely enough, we were at a restaurant in New York city on one of our early road shows and a, a gentleman overheard us talking about electric motorcycles because this is a motorcycle platform. And he ended up being the guy who invented the ambulance motorcycle in Israel. And he told us all about uh, the ambicycle. He actually showed us one and he said, you know, your platform would be great for emergency response. And if you've ever been in New York and seen, you know, been, been trapped behind an ambulance going up Sixth Avenue that is itself trapped behind a sea of yellow cabs, you go, you know, I really don't want to be on the other end of that call. Um, and so having a vehicle that can get there faster, can, can much more easily move through traffic, seemed like it'd be a big win. Yeah, it's interesting. I'd say that was the one in my mind, that the, the least intuitive, but it makes sense as, as, you, uh, as you describe it. Uh, so uh, I want to touch on, on kind of the, the over underlying mission, which you, you've hinted at here. So I, I see a lot of, it seems like really sustainability, convenience, focus. Is that accurate? Uh, yeah. Sustainability, convenience, affordability. And fun. Uh, you know, uh, it, it, and uh, it's just, it, it, all it takes is, is standing on a busy street, watching the cars go by, 
and if you just pay attention to how many of them have one person in them mm-hmm. it, it, and count them off, what is one or two people makes up I don't know, 80% of the trip, something like that. Uh, 80 to 85% of ride share is just one occupant. And, and so that, that, that multiple of, you know, taking on, on a good day, 200 pounds of dude in a 4,000 pound ride at 20 X inefficiency for mobility, mm-hmm. uh, particularly in a time when we can, we can see the, the writing is, is not just on the wall. The writing is actually, uh, you know, it is, we're experiencing the effects of shifts in the climate. Uh, and that is uh, something that I think we as a, as a culture need to get very serious about addressing. Uh, and so I think that mix of just not having the, you know, this, this, this gap between two wheelers and, and full-size cars seemed like a really good place to start for, uh, for, for, for right-sizing that footprint. Yeah, it, it's really interesting. So I, and so one of the, the first guests on this podcast actually from in, uh, in Amsterdam and focused on cycling, which I, and the reason I reached out is because I, I kind of fell in love with the, the way the uh, people move around in, in Amsterdam and in the Netherlands and the, the cycling um, culture. But despite how fun that is uh, and how effective it is, it's not really practical for me to be doing much cycling around where, I mean, I'm in a Metro Detroit suburb right now and I can't really get anywhere um, meaningful. There's not the infrastructure in place for, uh, yeah, we- for cycling. And that's where I, it, it seems like the, the technology you guys are bringing forward is kind of a good in-between there, which gives the benefit but works within the, the current infrastructure in much of the U S. Yeah. Well, and I should, I, I mean, I came at this as a bicycle commuter. So I, I was looking for a vehicle that was going to be more sedentary, able to go on more of the roads. You know, we've really, as a country have built our infrastructure around the automobile. Mm-hmm. Uh, so things are far apart and, and the roads don't typically in America have good facilities for bicycles uh, and for pedestrians. And so um Having making something that, that sort of fits the infrastructure that we have now was definitely a goal. Uh, I, this is not to take anything away from electric bicycles, which are amazing and awesome. Um, but I would say that one of the things we've been trying to do is not so much change behavior patterns and say, you know, get out of the vehicle and get on a bike, but uh, just build the right tool for the job that people are already doing right now. Um, and that's not to say that we don't see, you know, opportunity in still the much smaller and lighter vehicle. And how has, uh, how has this pandemic changed things, if, if at all, for you? Because, I mean, I, I've, I've spoken in past episodes that listeners will remember. So I, I t- just turned in my second vehicle. And so my wife and I are now sharing a vehicle because this uh, what you see right, right now has been my office okay. for the past yeah. eight months in, in the basement of my house. So, yeah, I, I have no need for a second vehicle, except my wife's at work right now and I need to go grocery shopping would be nice if I had a, a, a utility vehicle might, might be the fit there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Is that, am I just, is that just an anecdote and that's a one-off story or, or is this a pattern that you've seen at all? I, I think that, well, just by, you know, the strange virtue of timing, we, we launched the, our last mile delivery product in the middle of March mm-hmm. and then last mile delivery of food and parcels, you know, sort of went, went to another planet. Uh, over the over the court early stage of the pandemic, uh, I think what we're seeing right now in the vehicle market, there if uh, if you look at the um, 
people who are out there looking for toy products. So you know, motorcycle sales are up, slingshot mm-hmm. sales are up. Uh, and so we, we think now the, the coincidence of introduction of our you know, Roadster product makes, uh, is, is a fit for where the market is. Um, but yeah, as, 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 as we have, as a culture, really stopped doing long distance travel, um, this, is, this is the new norm for business meetings. Uh, I don't see any reason to go back um, even once, you know, if, if you think about the absurdity of flying across the country for a half an hour meeting, um, it, it's, it's way better served by the, the, you know, I don't, you don't normally think of Zoom as a transportation tool, but it's, it's probably the most significant clean transportation tool that's been uh, introduced into the market, period. Uh, but but if, you, if, you, if you stop tr- transporting yourself long distance for, you know, business travel and long distance commuting, what's left? It's getting around your community. It's, you know, going for a, a, a drive out to a park to go for a walk. Uh, and that's, that's sort of everything that we're doing is all based around uh, right-sizing community transportation. And when you, when you say getting around your community, so I think there's one perspective that could be taken that it's residential. This is a 25 mile an hour vehicle that crawls around. Correct me if I'm wrong, but as I understand, fun utility vehicle gets up to 75 miles an hour and can go yeah, no, on. It's, it's, yeah, it's not a, it's not a low speed vehicle. It's, a, it's actually classed as a motorcycle, so it can go on all the roads. Mm-hmm. It can go full speed. Um, I, I, I do think that the sweet spot, though, you know, where, where you have a, a neighborhood electric vehicle is one that's sort of capped at 25. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they're great if you have every, all of your amenities within your own neighborhood. But in a lot of cities, there are connectors that are 45 mile an hour roads or 50, mm-hmm. 50 mile an hour expressways, or you want to go two exits down the interstate. Um, you know, that's where I think the FUV really shines is that you can really get around the whole city. Um, and it's, some people will use it that way. I, some people will use it for, for more significant commuting. Um, but I think really the sweet spot is just the types of daily trips that the vast majority of Americans are doing. You know, average Americans driving 30 miles a day or was, you know, pre-pandemic. I'm not sure what the number is uh, this year. How about just quickly going back to the uh, the last mile delivery uh, use case here? So, what how does how does this fit within like? So I think, especially during the pandemic with all the deliveries, there's a handful of Amazon, I don't Sprinter type vehicles, Ram Promaster type vehicles. Eventually, it'll be the the Rivian platform. Where, and it, it seems like that's beneficial, right? You can fit a ton of stuff in there, and there's there's the one driver. Where uh, where's the niche where the the smaller vehicle plays in just in time right so if, if you want to deliver a whole box truck worth of packages and you send it out at six in the morning full up and it comes back at the end of the day mm-hmm. that's where the the rivian platform for example is really going to shine um, where where the arcimoto deliverator will shine is if you want to get a package or a meal or groceries to a customer in 30 minutes or less and you're not going to take a full truck's worth of stuff. You're taking, you know, maximum three or four, maybe five different deliveries mm-hmm. on one trip. Um, and so that's that's where the the deliverator has sort of outsized storage capability for a very small vehicle um, as a as a result of the architecture. And and that's where we think it, it will have the advantage. And so when we see companies like Amazon 
you know, moving to just-in-time delivery for some of their uh, some of their orders, we think that this provides a, a very good solution for that type of a uh, of a service. And maybe a tough question here, but so energy efficiency. So you mentioned it's a much lighter kind of right-sized vehicle. Do you have any feel for how big of a difference that makes when you're comparing to, I don't know, pick your EV, a Model 3 or something like, like how much? I want to say, so, so, so uh, the, for, for city driving, the Arkimoto is 173.7 miles per gallon equivalent, MPGE. Okay. Uh, which is, I, I want to say on the order of uh, 20% more efficient than maybe 15% more efficient than the Model 3. Uh, hard to say because Tesla just keeps cranking up their efficiency with uh, improvements in software. Yeah. Um, so, so what we get is efficiency by virtue of, uh, of, of sort of the platform architecture. I think you'll, you'll see us, um, that, that, that will be a bar that we will surmount um, uh, over time as we uh, continue to refine the platform. Um, but, but right now, just by virtue of it being a much lighter weight platform, it's more efficient than even the most efficient electric cars by a decent stretch. And how about, uh, fleets and rentals? I, I want to talk about, so, so first, so one efficiency is one of the things when we're talking about the difference here in, in size, but all, at the same time, if I'm a, a city planner or someone who's trying to control, um, traffic flow in an area it seems like it'd be great to have smaller vehicles on the road, right. That, that can move around. Yeah. Either. And efficiency, I mean, efficiency is it, it, another thing. It's I think also important about the Arkhamoto is it takes, it's about a third of the weight of a typical car. So it's, it's not just more efficient in terms of the energy it uses going down the road, but it's radically more efficient in terms of the amount of stuff you have to put in to make it in the first place. And particularly when you're talking about incredibly extractive, highly refined materials, we think that's important. Yeah, that's a good uh, point. What's the capacity of the uh, battery? Uh, 19.2 kilowatt hours. So As it's about a quarter to of the battery. 100, typically. 80, 80 to 100, yeah. yeah. Um, that's, and, that's a very good point. And if you, you know, I, I, again, the comparison we make is if, the, you're, if you're using your 80 kilowatt hour battery to drive two miles to go get a cup of coffee at Starbucks, it's just, it's better to use a vehicle that weighs a third of it, the amount, and uses a lot less to do the same, same job. Um, when it comes to cities, and I think one of the things that was very exciting for us is we announced just this morning uh, a pilot collaboration with the city of Orlando. Uh, and they're, they're really the first city that is testing the Arkhamoto platform a, across a bunch of different departments mm -hmm. in the city to see, if, to see where it really fits within, within their efforts as a fleet. Uh, but the other thing that cities are, are very... Um, I guess uh, 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 what is good for a city to focus on is, is how the space within the city is used. And so that's everything from parking to congestion and travel lanes. Um, and when you have a vehicle platform that can park three to a space, that's, that's a big deal. Yeah. And then how about, just want to quickly give you a chance if you want to talk at all about the, uh, the rental side. So it seems, at least from the outside, like that's been an, an interesting part of your sales and marketing strategy. Can you speak to that at all? Well, we, we have, yeah, we're the, the, the big questions in bringing a new vehicle to market is, you know, one, how are people going to hear about it? How are they going to try it? Uh, mm -hmm. How are they going to buy it and have it, uh, have it show up at their houses? And then how are you going to take care of it? So um, what, what we see, what's typical in the market is either 
you go to a franchise vehicle dealership and you take a test drive and then buy from the dealership. Uh, and Tesla really then pioneered the company owned store where you go and, and take a test drive. And if you like it, you buy it. Um, what we're doing is, is actually a little bit different. We are, are opening rental locations uh, so that if you are in a destination uh, city, could be Key West is where we we have our first rental franchise open. Uh, it could be anywhere on the California coast. Uh, it could be an island. Could be um, could be a you know a, 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 the, the Hamptons in the summer. You know where where there, there are a bunch of different places that rent vehicles that are fun to go look at the the sights and and sounds of the place. And so that we think that is going to be good for several reasons. One is that when we drive them around just to demonstrate, we are often asked, where can I rent that thing? That looks like a lot of fun. And mm -hmm. it took me telling people, no, you can't rent them about 50 times before somebody at the company came up with the brilliant idea that rentals should be quarter our model. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the other part is that it just, it turns what is normally a cost center into, in, into an actual revenue stream. So yeah, makes sense. let's just focus all of our uh, our, our, our precious resources on, on getting to scale and serving the demand. And that's actually, I, I think, a good segue. So I want to talk then about, so where, where do things currently stand on, on production? Like how, how many of these have you sold or, or built? And then also, I think there's been the, the exciting news recently about ramp up plans and uh, yeah, partnership with DHL. Can you, can you speak to kind of that? Totally. Yeah. So, so we have, you know, we went into production in, in September of last year. Uh, we, we had a suspension of production for a, a decent portion of Q2 and Q3 uh, due to the pandemic. And we have since at the, at the end of September, or sorry, at the end of uh, last quarter, which was beginning of September, we started delivering vehicles again. I think I, I want to say we've delivered on the order of 150 vehicles out into the market, uh, delivered or built. Um, and so we're definitely in low volume production mode. Uh, a, a lot of this has been going through that sort of first year um, challenges of EV production where, where you surface all of the bugs, you surface uh, that, that you just can't catch when you're building uh, individual prototypes. So um, this has been a time to really work through a lot of the early service issues of, of our program um, and get pilot demonstration vehicles of our various uh, products out there. Um, we definitely, we, we've got now a back order of a backlog of, of 4,500 or so pre-orders um, that have come in on the website. Uh, and so we, we are feeling the, the, the pull from, uh, from our customers to, to ramp up. Uh, and we see a, a really, I, I think a giant market opportunity as we begin to drive costs down into the, uh, the, the sort of the, 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 middle of the used car price range. You know, so, so the electric car vision is, let's get the cost down to the cost of a new car. Mm -hmm. Our vision has always been, how do we get it down to where, where the, the bulk of the market is, which is in that you know, used and leased range. Um, Can you put and, uh, any numbers on that? Well, I, for, for a long time, our target, uh, and this is again, very aspirational, is to get to where we have a $10,000 price for an end customer. We think it's going to be some number of years before we get there, but that as we continue to drive up scale and improve economies of scale, as technology prices continue to decline, uh, that that's achievable. 
And what's and it currently at for fun utility uh, vehicle? Our entry level price right now is uh, is seventeen thousand nine hundred. Gotcha. So we're targeting basically a six thousand dollar reduction in cost over the next four years. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- that's it's at that point where we feel like we are really beginning to truly deliver on the mission of the company, which is catalyzing sustainable transportation uh, for the masses, so mm-hmm. that it's something that that literally anyone can afford, and uh, and helps you, helps kick the gas habit. Awesome. And- can you speak at all? How about safety? Um, so if you compare it to a motorcycle, first of all, how, how significant is that third wheel for tip or crash safety? And then second, yeah, just overall, how, how, how safe is yeah, this driving around? And it is, it is a motorcycle. So the Arkimoto is a three-wheeled electric motorcycle platform vehicle. Uh, we do include things that are not typical of motorcycles. Um, you know, one is a, a third wheel is not typically on a bike. Mm-hmm. And the way that we've architected the platform is to be incredibly stable. So the center of mass is low and forward, um, very close to in between those two front wheels. Um, and it just, that, that gives it a very good handling on the road. Um, the, the typical challenge with a motorcycle from a safety perspective is vehicles just can't see you. So a car will, uh, you know, pull out in front of a bike, the bike can't maneuver out of the way, hits the vehicle, rider goes off and is, is terribly injured or killed. Um, in the Arkimoto, the, the, you sit up actually about as high as you do in a crossover SUV. So you are much more visible on the road than a typical bike. Uh, so more likely that the car will see you if it pulls out in front of you and you, you now have two wheels, two front wheels to brake with, two front wheels to maneuver with, um, so it's, it's more stable, it's more visible, it's much more maneuverable in an adverse circumstance than a bike. And then in the event of an impact, you have two seat belts, one over each shoulder to keep you in the cage. Um, but you still gotta realize it is a lightweight motorcycle class vehicle. It's 1300 pounds, it's a third of the weight or less of a full-size vehicle. And so you are at a severe disadvantage just from physics in any sort of an impact scenario with a car. Um, you know, and, and that's, that is, it's, it, that is one of the things that our customers are aware of is you are, you are actually, you know, it, you are a much more aware driver when you're driving the FUV typically than you are in a car. So it's, you know, you can see what's going on around you and you are aware that you are in a much smaller thing uh, than the vehicles around you. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting to me, and it's it, I think exciting to see. Um, I, I I touched on this, and not not to be redundant, but I I don't know if I I, I haven't given as much thought to the, to this uh, type of vehicle until the last last few months. Um, this I think I've seen a need for something here, as I mentioned, between a vehicle and riding my bike everywhere. And yeah, I'm I'm excited to to see how you guys grow, and, and hopefully this can gain some traction and widespread usage. So, well, you got to give it a try. We got to get you behind the handlebars. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be all, all for that. If What we found is that it is, I mean, to me and, and, you know, I mean, ultimately I, I, I started the company because I, I wanted what it would eventually produce. Um, and I, I think I'm, I would say I'm, I'm, I'm personally very pleased that it has certainly delivered on my expectations. Um, and I'm, I've been very glad to have uh, confirmation from our early customers that they're finding the same, the same result. So, um, yeah, not for everybody. If you're, if you're schlepping four kids around every day, uh, you're going to need something bigger, 
but for for the typical things that most of us do most of the time, um, it's uh, it, it lives up to the name. What's the uh, what's the power output of the electric motor? Uh, so they, they can go up to 60 kilowatts, you know, 30 kilowatts each peak. So yeah. about 80 horsepower. Yeah, I imagine that's, especially at that weight, it's enough to snap your head back. Yeah, power to weight ratio is, is the key ratio, right? You either, yeah. uh, you either increase power or decrease weight. And we've really focused on the latter. And, and not, not sure how much you guys have publicly talked about this or if, if you would, but how the development of this, how, how much of this was Archimodo like, in-house developing this, uh, this platform? Uh, it, well, it's been a mix. So we, we've, the, the, the platform architecture is what we spent eight years iterating on. We went through eight distinct generations of three-wheel vehicle development, doing very different things with the packaging of elements to try and find the right architecture. Uh, but then we've relied on uh, a whole host of different partners and suppliers to get all the pieces right. Um, and so, I mean, any, any vehicle is ultimately an, an absolutely enormous collaboration yep. uh, between lots of different, as you, as you well know, uh, you know, it's a, it is a, it is a non-trivial undertaking and requires lots of different people with lots of different expertise uh, to really get it right. Awesome. So I'd like to uh, transition then to a couple of quick, what I call rapid fire questions uh, about you. And then uh, yeah, we, we can circle back. So the, the first one, Favorite book or book? So if, if you do uh, much reading of books, what, what's, is there any book or books of, for you that has uh, stood out as particularly impactful? Top three would be the Bhagavad Gita, uh, the Tao Te Ching, and the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Not the, uh, I think the first two are unique. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, surprisingly, I think has come up in three of the last few, few interviews I've done. Nice. Very, very nice. Uh, how about a hobby of yours when you're uh, yeah, not working? Uh, I, I run and I, I play the guitar as often as I can, which is not often enough. I see. Yeah, and then anyone who uh, isn't looking at the the video, I see a guitar and is, is that a banjo on the wall? Yeah, it's a, I, actually that's a, that was my dad's banjo, uh, and it it was sort of a, it had a had a broken neck and was missing strings pretty much my whole life. So I, I finally got it repaired, um, and uh, and so I'm, I'm picking up the banjo too. Ah, very cool. And then the, uh, the, the last of, of these rapid fire questions. So a, a personal strength of you, of yours. So is there anything that, that you think, yeah, you, you, you're built well for, or you do well, um, that has enabled you to, to have the impact or uh, success that you've had so far? Well, I, I probably, I, the one that I would attribute that I, I didn't really know about until starting Arkimoto was, uh, was just some measure of perseverance. Um, the, the, there have been, uh, any number of moments along this strange path where um, I, I think anyone could rightfully have thrown in the towel and uh, yeah. s- something kept me uh, pick, picking it back up again and, and walking to the next step. That, yeah, that, that's interesting too. So the, uh, and I, at some point I need to go back and, and pull some data on, on the questions that I ask here. Um, but per- perseverance, it, if, if I had to guess, especially comes up from, uh, from startups because it, it seems like, yeah, to, to go through what you've been on a 12 year journey here, I, I have to imagine there's been some low points along there. Uh, I, I mean, the number of times where it, it, it's on this road, you will find uh, open doors and brick walls and you sort of develop a very thick set of calluses here when it comes to those brick walls. Uh, yeah. But it's, you know, the vehicle vehicles are tough. It's a, it's an incredibly difficult business. 
um, when you think of all of the things that have to, you have to get right in order to uh, build a successful venture in it. And I think because it is so difficult, um, it makes people think it is impossible. Uh, and then those people have, have no problem telling you that it's impossible and that you should be doing something better with your time. Yeah. And then when you provide them all kinds of evidence at every step along the way, um, it just makes it more challenging. But uh, it, it, is, it is possible. And particularly if you bring together a, a really uh, awesome team that is, that is willing to take on seem, the seemingly impossible, um, you'd be surprised what can happen. And yes, yeah, so, so I guess, so, so first of all, like I said, uh, very interesting topic for me. Re really enjoyed the discussion. Excited to hear all the things that you guys are doing. Um, I, I guess just to close, I want to kind of leave you with a, a two-parter. So the first, where would you point people if they wanted to learn more about you, what you're working on, Archimodo, um, et cetera? And then the last, just open-ended, if there's anything we didn't touch here, anything that you want to particularly leave us with, uh, be happy to hear it. Uh, well, you, you, our, our website is arcimoto.com, A-R-C-I-M-O-T-O.com. Um, I have a Twitter feed out there at Nardo Polo if you want to catch uh, late night musings um, and uh, random promotions. Uh, I, I would say that I think now is a time when it's sort of critically important for us as people to get involved in the world around us. Um, the, it can be daunting to uh, look at some of the challenges that we face as, as a people and as, uh, as, as life on the planet. Um, and, but, but there's, there are a lot of things out there that need, uh, need a little, uh, pitching in on. So, um, just, uh, yeah, uh, wishing everybody health in the, in, in the holidays and, um, a, a bright road ahead. Awesome. Well, Mark, thank you very much. I yeah, hope, hope to talk again soon. Likewise. Yeah, really appreciate you taking the time. Yep. Cheers. The Future Mobility Podcast is brought to you by FEV. For more than 40 years, FEV has been a global leader in the development of mobility solutions for the transportation industry. With a team of experts passionate about innovation through the design, development, integration, and validation of turnkey vehicle and propulsion system technologies, FEV is your partner for the development of future mobility solutions. I'm your host, Brandon Bartnick. If you want to learn more or get in contact to share feedback or questions, the best place to find me is on LinkedIn at Brandon Bartnick. Thanks for listening.